video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch Hello, my name is Dustin DeClure. I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all the new Blu-rays and DVDs. Week by week. This week, we thought it was going to be a little bit light, but it looks like a regular week at the end of the day. You went crashing through the window to get people the sweet uh physical media that they need i know like basically every week we talk about this i'm like i don't know what we're gonna have in next week then like all those shipments they look like they're drying up and then we get a surprise of new stuff are there any um products that people like call you every day asking for like what are we gonna get this (laughs) yeah so basically our criterions which are still not here yet and we still cannot talk about um so i'm sorry to everybody yeah i wouldn't know what release people are waiting for i know justin's showing me the shinya Sukamoto set, which we should also have by now, but is also being held up. Unfortunately, we're having some difficulties with our supplier for Criterion, Arrow, Kino products. So all that stuff is held up right now. We're hoping to get it soon. (laughs) The one thing, I know we've talked about this already, but The Great Escape is obviously, I've got reams of pages of names down for The Great Escape. And a couple people called today, and the reason why it's so popular right now is, can you guess why? People want to watch a movie where a cool guy hangs out in solitary? No, Father's Day is coming up. (laughs) Oh, of course. And there's only one movie's dad's like... Uh, necessary Roughness and The Great Escape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, if only Criterion would get on Necessary Roughness, then we'd all be good. <laughs> and Major League. Put it in like a double pack of like um, <laughs> balls with like sunglasses and hats. <laughs> Can we just make an Eclipse series of the Major League series with one, two, and three? No, no, no. I want special edition. So it's like a Godzilla-sized box set. <laughs> I remember uh, like maybe a year or so ago, they actually released Major League 2 and Major League Back to the Miners on Blu-ray as like Sony MODs. And we looked at them and I'm like, I don't think I can order these in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when it's around Father's Day, I feel like those are the kind of things that fly off the shelf, Mark. I mean, looking at what came in cult-wise, what child will not want to buy Escape from L.A. for their dad? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Isn't this the ultimate movie you watch with your dad on Father's Day? I mean, according to John Carpenter, it's the superior Escape movie. Does he actually think that? (laughs) Yes, he said that in many interviews, saying stuff like, Escape from L.A. came before its time, people don't get it, you know, (laughs) time will prove me right. Okay. He's compared the um, negative reaction to the reaction that The Thing had when it was released. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just give it another, what, 10, 20 years of... We'll get there. I mean, I will say Escape from L.A. has been flying off our shelf this week. It's probably our best-selling title this week. I have to admit, I haven't seen it since I was a kid and it, like, first came out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember enjoying it when I was a kid. I remember the basketball scene really clearly. (laughs) So good. Um, That's a classic. Uh, My memory about the rest is a little foggy, but I need to go. I want to go and revisit it, especially now that it's been restored, because I think the previous Blu-ray release, which was just a Paramount one, was a really badly DNR'd release that a lot of people complain. So finally, this movie that came out of the 90s, I don't know why they would DNR it that bad, uh, gets a special edition it deserves from Shout Factory. Unfortunately, John Carpenter hasn't shown up to do a commentary. I guess he just, he's on the road rocking out. Yeah, right. (laughs) That kind of stuff. You'd think he'd come to defend it. People are really jazzed about this release, though. I have to say that. I'm surprised at the amount of love for this. You know what? I'm probably going to pick it up because I like Escape from LA. They all have slipcovers for you slipcover freaks out Mm. there. 
Yeah, it's hard to get the Blu-ray back into that slip cover. <laughs> so we also have Ultraman Ace, the complete series. Again, Mill Creek is just pumping out these Ultraman. Yeah, I'm going to leave this one to you. <laughs> I mean, Ace is obviously the best one because he's the Ace. That's all I got, man. We're still selling these. And I, I will say one of our loyal customers um, who has been buying every one of these told us that it is part of uh, like a mural that's on his wall of all these Ultraman releases. So that's cool. I mean, I you know, they look nice on the shelf. Um, if you're really into Ultraman, I can see that like these releases are pretty cool. They're all like fairly remastered, I think. I just have no concept of i had no concept of how long and how expansive ultraman was so every time a new set's released i'm like oh i guess there was another season of ultraman i mean there's like 40 seasons of ultraman (laughs) mark how many times will you be surprised by it (laughs) (laughs) every single time when are you gonna say like no more ultraman at bay street video i'm putting my foot down as long as they keep selling i can't pull the plug because the ones i do pull the plug on are the new ones those are not selling at all the classic ones are are great uh great sellers for us ultraman orb and ultraman geed which are newer ones, nobody wants. Throw it in the trash bin. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> so we also have Desk Kappa, the 10th anniversary from, oh, look, it's our old friend Media Blasters. <laughs> I know. They're back, right? <laughs> Weren't we just talking about them last week? So this is a Keiju film that was made as part of their, uh, what was it called? It was like, it was the guys who made Tokyo Gore Police Sushi Typhoon Wave. You're right. And I guess the uh, world has been clamoring for a 10th anniversary special edition. I actually looked online to see if there were any new special features and i could find no press release for it so i don't know and i will say it's an mod release both on dvd and blu-ray so it's strange i mean they put this out 10 years ago in a package that literally looks exactly the same all they've done is add a banner on the top that says 10th anniversary attack edition well i've been promised uh a boatload of special features and it's pretty cheap isn't it more reasonable than a regular media blasters release yeah we retail it for 26.95 which is fairly decent for yeah media blasters one and we did get a few people buy it when we got it in so i guess there are some people aware that this was coming out i'd always wanted to see this but never have have you seen this film uh, it's gotten pretty middling reviews is what i remember when it came out St- saying stuff that there's only like 10 minutes of keiju footage at the end which honestly is pretty much the norm for all these pictures so that's not very different right right we also have mandy in a collector's edition steel book oh squeezing that tea <laughs> do we get any more out of it yeah you're gonna buy this steel book right <laughs> is there anything uh, new on it no there's nothing new on this are you kidding me <laughs> i'm not a big fan of mandy really it's fine. okay yeah, it's all right. It, it got overblown, I feel. If it wasn't as big as like people were like, man, he's the greatest movie ever. I think I'd probably like it more. Yeah. Really dislike that it uh, steals the gag from uh, MacGruber as its end part. It does, right. <laughs> you know, I never really thought about that till now. Okay. And I don't think um, the director who, who uh, Pano uh, Cosmatos, right? Yeah. Uh, the son of the director of Rambo 2. Yep, George P. Or First Blood Part 2, Rambo. And Cobra. (laughs) Uh, He's not much of an action director. So like when the action breaks out, it's like, it's fine. I mean, I liked his first film, Beyond the Black Rainbow, even though it was like clearly like a Cronenberg Kubrick 
type ripoff carpenter rip i thought it was fine it was fun yeah. though yeah I, I liked it um mandy i did i mean obviously i'm a nick cage freak we've talked about this a lot i liked mandy definitely i liked the experience of it i liked nick cage a lot in it i actually thought he gave a really good dramatic performance in it i, I remember seeing it in theaters and especially in the moment where he has that bathroom freak out scene that's kind of like the classic scene the whole audience was laughing their asses off the whole time and i thought i was i was like pretty emotionally affected by that scene i thought like wow this is some of the best acting like legitimate acting i've seen him do in years um yeah i mean i would say it's not one of my favorite of his films i think it's maybe gotten a bit more overrated at this point because it's like the nick cage movie that everybody saw again and everybody's like now back on the nick cage train after that i remember uh being a little bit disquieted with like the use of tropes in it as well that his wife essentially exists only to die and i was like i kept waiting for them to do something else with it Nah, that's pretty much it no and it's funny that's like really a nick cage trope too and and i think my yearly wrap-up of nick cage movies that year i think he made like six or six to eight movies that year and i think in four of them he had a dead wife or a wife that dies or like a dead partner like it's just something that always happens nobody wants Um, to act with nick cage exactly right i mean for my money though something like you know between worlds which we talked about and came out that same year is almost the crazier movie to me though and like didn't get the same kind of love because it's obviously like cheaper and less stylish but, but like, it's also i think more unaware of itself if you read interviews with that director i don't think she knows what kind of movie she made like which no. is the perfect kind of filmmaking in my opinion oh i agree and i think that's why i really took to it even though it's got like obvious flaws to it um mm-hmm. but i remember seeing between worlds after mandy and thinking you know, everybody's going insane over Mandy. Like, you got to check out Between Worlds. Let's yeah, <laughs> when is that steelbook coming out? I know, right? <laughs> Moving onwards to the classic, we have The Deer Hunter coming out in UHD. That's nice, I guess. I think it's Shout Factory's first, like, real film, feature film UHD. They've done a few, like, documentary IMAX releases on UHD, mm. but this is their first, like, real UHD release. It's part of their Shout Select line. I have to admit, I've never seen The Deer Hunter. <laughs> the Deer Hunter is like a film that you buy and then you like l- collect dust on your shelf. Because every time you're like, oh, it's so long. It's almost three hours. I'm going to watch something more fun, like Nick Cage in Between Yeah, worlds. exactly. <laughs> you know, it was one I was even thinking about watching for the first time this week because I have never seen it. And it's always, you're right, it's one of those I always want to watch and I just never get around to it. And then I just never got around to it again. <laughs> uh, Shout decided, hey, look, we're going to put out Keith Gordon's A Midnight yeah. Clear, which we talked about oof, months ago, uh, how it just had a um, bare bones DVD release that had gone out of print a long time ago. Now it's back in Blu-ray form. Yeah, in the middle of the summer, even though it's like a Christmas movie that takes place during World War II, has a great cast, which Dylan is in it. I think it's Kevin Dylan. Back when Kevin Dylan was like fairly respectable, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, it's a great movie. I like Keith Gordon. Never got the respect he deserved as a director. The Chocolate War, real good. I agree. Uh, Singing Detective remake, not so good. Not so good. Waking the Dead, I like. He also did Mother's Night, Kurt Vonnegut adaptation. And so we have Pandora and the Flying Dutchman is being put out by Cohen. And it's this week's Blind Buy. Blind Buy. Oh, man, Mark picked this one. Classy this week, Mark. I know. I mean, usually you'd expect a Haunted Doll movie or a (laughs) Billy Zane action movie or some piece of shit. But you know what? I felt like it's been a long time since we've covered something more respectable like. So Mm -hmm. why not? 
Um, I'd always been intrigued in seeing this film. Uh, I don't know about you, and I'd heard a lot of good things, and I'd been really eager to check out this new restoration. And I have to say, it looked gorgeous. I watched the Blu-ray, and it looked absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. This is a film directed by Albert Lewin. He didn't direct that many films, but he was a big wig at MGM, who actually produced a lot of pictures, like Mutiny on the Bounty. This one stars Ava Gardner and James Mason. James Mason playing the literal flying Dutchman, who <laughs> yeah, yeah. murders his wife because he thinks that she's cheating on him and his curse was immortality until he meets the reincarnation of his wife and convinces her to kill herself again. I don't know, man. This movie did yeah. nothing for me emotionally. Yeah, and I have to agree. While I did say it looks phenomenal, and it really does because it's shot by Jack Cardiff, who was obviously like the best cinematographer going at the time, it definitely has – a lot of people have compared it to the work of Powell and Pressburger because it definitely has that same sort of look and feel. Yeah, because Jack Cardiff shot it, who shot like all of their best films. And there are some amazing – amazing shots like i love that shot at the beginning where it's like panning out oh, through, through the, the bell. bell oh my god it's like it's just beautiful but i agree i i was pretty invested for the first hour or so and then the second hour i was just rapidly losing interest and i just feel like i liked ava gardner at the beginning and i liked how all these men were kind of going after her and wanted to make her their prize basically and marry her and she's kind of like bratty and everything and turning them away but I don't think they ever really developed a ton of chemistry between her and James Mason to really buy that she would just kill herself at the end for him. The moment that James Mason shows up, the entirety of her being becomes, oh, I could, I would die yeah. for you. Like, those are the first words out of her lips. And it's like, okay, so you're not building up to anything. Okay, you're going to kill yourself? And, like, what does this mean? They keep saying, like, the real show of love is to sacrifice yourself for someone else. But why? Like, it, like they just die. And that's it. <laughs> like, and he murdered I know. her. <laughs> and I, I did like the flashback sequences to, like, the... I guess 1700s or whatever it was where you get James Mason with like really grotty like pirate teeth and stuff and I mean I chalk it up kind of to just like an old like a 1950s mentality where like these were just what gender roles were and what the idea of romance was and I think it just for as beautiful a film as it is and I do recommend that aficionados of, of just cinematic art check it out <laughs> I, I don't, I know, of cinema art. This is me trying to be an intellectual, Justin, all right? Mm. Um, but yeah, story-wise, eh, I think it's just a little of its time. I don't know how much it translates to modern day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like modern day where you're like, no, you don't have to kill yourself for your husband who murdered you against your will <laughs> hundreds of years before. Who finds that romantic, right? I don't know. Well, it's the idea of like, you know, uh, Chaucer and yeah. um, unrequited love and stuff like that. Like, it's an idea. It's not something that actually works in the real world. Yeah, the cool thing about this release, though, from Cohen, um, apart from the fact that they've restored it, um, I think with the assistance of Martin Scorsese and everything, so, you know, it looks really mm. good. They've got some really nice features, but they also include, as a bonus on the second disc, uh, Albert Lewin's last feature, The Living Idol, which is a weird... I've never... I didn't watch it, but it's like a weird, cheesy sort of horror movie where a bunch of people are being killed by this ancient stone idol. Ooh, I like that. And it's actually co-directed by Rene Cardona, a Mexican director who directed my favorite kids sort of family but not really family film uh, for Christmas, Santa Claus. Have you seen that one? Oh, Santa Claus is so good. Wait, wait, wait. 
So if it's a living statue, yeah. is that a subcategory of killer doll? It might be. Honestly, I opened the rental and I was like, oh, it's got the living idol. I'm like, oh, okay, it's another one of his films, whatever. And then I brought, I was just looking it up today. What actually is this movie? I looked it up and I'm like, damn, I it's very really, literal. really should have watched this before uh, we talked. So uh, Cohen is also putting out the Europeans, a James Ivory film. <laughs> so of Merchant Ivory. You know what? I'll be honest. I have never watched a James Ivory movie. Me neither. <laughs> and I, you know, Maybe it's something to be proud of, <laughs> to be like, when you're talking about intellectual cinema, yeah. there is no one that is held on that pedestal that has been continually making movies more than James Ivory. I know. The term Merchant Ivory is synonymous with like art house snobbiness. It really is. So have you never been interested in seeing any Merchant Ivory film? <sighs> No. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I'm a little intrigued. It's weird because obviously Merchant Ivory titles do very well for us at the store with an older generation, obviously. But there are a lot of people I find, like maybe Gen X people that grew up and were like sort of teenagers, 20-somethings at that time that do have a real affinity for these Merchant Ivory films as well. Yeah, this is what art is. You peasants don't understand. I know, right? So we get a lot of customers coming who usually buy like a lot of cult stuff or whatever, and they will be buying these Merchant Ivory releases. And whenever I say, I haven't seen a lot of Merchant or any Merchant Ivory, they're like, oh, you got to do it. You got to get into it. This one's great. So I don't know. I mean, there was a trailer for the Europeans on the disc of Pandora because it's also a Cohen mm-hmm. release. And it looked pretty funny, honestly, in like an almost Whit Stillman-esque kind of way. But I guess, you know, Ooh, I know Whit you're Stillman. not so much into Whit Stillman, so, yeah. I'd be into Whit Stillman if his movies were like an act or a satire, but his Twitter has proven that it is not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think I discussed how I did have a very pleasant interview with him back yes, in the day. But I hear that he's not maybe always the most <laughs> pleasant person around. Listen, he loves money. There's nothing wrong he with does. that, right, Mark? That's fine, that's fine. We all love money, right? So we have more my speech coming up because we got a double bill from Paramount who have been, man, diving real deep in the uh, collector's edition market <laughs> with Fatal Attraction and Flashdance. It's an Adrian Lin double bill. Beautiful. So I will preface this by saying these and the rest of the titles we're going to talk about are part of their new Paramount Presents line. So this is new collector's edition line where apparently they've done 4K restorations of these films, like new 4K restorations, and they're packaged like like a criterion kind of way where they all look good on the shelf. You know, they're all numbered. Really? Yeah, they're like numbered. One, two, three, four, five. So they're doing a whole wave of these. There's going to be more coming out. But yeah, for some reason, two of the first titles are these Adrian Line, Adrian Line, Lynn? Lynn, uh, Line, yeah. Something like that. You know, let's call him AL, <laughs> a yeah. good friend. You know who's <laughs> a big fan of this director? Steven Soderbergh. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can definitely believe that. I mean, he said that like one year he watched like Fatal Attraction a dozen times. And oh, I don't wow. know why that movie. Not a big fan. Never seen Flashdance. Oh, really? Uh, I have to say I really love Flashdance. I mean, it's super 80s cheese. But like... Why watch Flashdance when you have uh, Heavenly Bodies? Have you ever seen that I one? I haven't seen that, actually. No. Oh, set in Toronto. I know. It's all about aerobics competitions. I've heard of it. I got to get on that. I got to get on But yeah, okay. So Flashdance, great. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, it's... Like I said, super cheesy, super of its time. I mean, yeah, the gender roles are very of the 80s. Um, but you know what? Jennifer Beals is like really lovable in it. And the like the whole oh, what a feeling dance sequences are just like great. You know, they they just really hold up. I mean, it definitely has that Jerry Bruckheimer sheen to it, too, because uh, it was one, one of the earlier Jerry Bruckheimer, Don Simpson productions. Um, but you know what? Adrian Lyne, he brings like a real... 
slickness to it that I love also. And, you know, and Fatal Attraction, I've always been a fan of, even though I think Glenn Close's character gets the real, like, shit end of the stick at the end oh, of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Considering that Michael Douglas is such a douchebag. He's such a dude. It's definitely a man's movie um, of the time. And I know I love how Glenn Close has come out and kind of, like, railed against it, even though she obviously was, like, winning awards for it and everything. She's talked about... Yeah, the, she's talked about the fact how the ending was initially... Yeah, they changed it at the last minute because the audience wanted payback. Yeah, and she wasn't, she was not happy about that at the time. And she, and she does, while she admits like how much it did for her career, she does admit that she wishes it was a little more feminist leaning. But I mean, it, it was the 80s in Hollywood, you know, it is of its time. Speaking of of its time, to Catch a Thief, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah, it's going to be right on the shelf next to Fatal Attraction <laughs> and Flashdance is to Catch a Thief. Um, uh, this one's fine, though. It's just like Hitchcock in kind of um, automatic mode. It's fluffy. You got uh, a Cary Grant hamming it up. <laughs> you know, I've never seen this one, so I don't have much to add. There's some pretty I... colors. Uh, Grace Kelly's in okay. it as well. Uh, yeah. Looking beautiful as always without much to do. Yeah. But you have seen King Creole, right? The Michael Curtiz Elvis film. I've never seen an Elvis movie you either, know what? I have to admit. Me neither. Man, this is a real episode of Never Have. <laughs> yeah, I, we have so much to say about all these <laughs> I mean, I've always wanted to see Clambait because I hear that's really funny. There's a Don Siegel Elvis film I've had, like, or been meaning to watch for ages. And I just never get to it because, you know. Yeah, I can't blanking on the title. I, I don't know. I mean... I know King Creole is one that people enjoy. It's always done well for us on DVD. And I believe this is the first time it's ever been released on Blu-ray. Like I know a lot of these these Paramount Presents have already been on Blu-ray. They're just kind of like re-upgrading them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Elvis, are you an Elvis fan music-wise? Because I'm certainly no, not. No, we know uh, what we're fans of. We're both fans of the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Took you a while to think about that, eh? Wait, who's the guy who died on the airplane and our glasses look like him? Buddy... Buddy Holly. <laughs> Buddy Holly. For some reason, all I could think of was Buddy Love, which is... <laughs> Jim uh, Jerry Lewis and the Nutty Professor. <laughs> we kind of look like a mixture of Buddy Holly and Jerry Lewis, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. One of us is the Buddy Love and the other one is uh, the Jerry Lewis. Try to guess which one it is. <laughs> uh, we also have, man, this is going to be a weekly <laughs> discussion. <laughs> Days of Thunder. I feel like I was just trolling you on throwing this on. <laughs> so have, this is the third podcast in a row we've talked about Days of Thunder now. Your favorite Tony Scott film. <laughs> My favorite Tony Scott film. So this is also part of this Paramount Presents line, as well as being a brand new UHD release last week. And then the week before, we were just talking about it because we were talking about Tony Scott. Um, I love Days of Thunder. What else can I are say? Are you going to buy this release? Does it have new special features? I don't know, man. These releases are pretty pricey. They're like 40 bucks a pop. <sighs> and like, I'd honestly... It's a collector's market. I know. I love Days of Thunder. And I will say the artwork on this one is better than the artwork on like the UHD release and everything. Huh. It's a little bit cooler. Uh... I mean, I'd wait for the price to go down. <laughs> <laughs> you can get it at cost, Mark. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's already a Blu-ray out for like 10 bucks or so that is probably just fine. And you don't even you own know? that one, do you? <laughs> I don't even own that one. I had it on DVD back in the day. That's about it. <laughs> so moving on to the new stuff, The Invisible Man, uh, a very popular film starring Elizabeth Moss, directed by my nemesis, Lee Whannell. 
<laughs> he's your nemesis? Wait, you never heard the story? I have not. You got to tell me. Oh, he's not really my nemesis. Upgrade. Have you seen Upgrade? I, oh, I have not, but I know exactly where you're going with this. <laughs> so Upgrade was coming up and my pal Peter, who gets mentioned on this podcast a lot, saw like an early screening of it. He's like, man, this movie's a lot like the film that you made, Teddy Bomb. They're like, whatever. <laughs> and then I finally saw the trailer and I'm like, oh man, this is a lot like Teddy Bomb. And funny story about that. I was like, it's just like the same influences. He doesn't know me. Like it's, he actually does know and has visited the house of the guy who does the voice of the teddy bear in Teddy Bomb. No way. Are you kidding me? Yes. I'm what? not kidding you. <laughs> I am 100% sure it's accidental. Yeah. It's, you know, Knight Rider stuff, but it's a lot of the same gags. Oh, yeah. But well, I again. haven't seen Upgrade, but I have seen Teddy Bob, and that film's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Not available at Bay Street yeah. Video to buy a rent. Well, you know what? You should just give us a copy. I'll, I'll put it up for rent. Have you seen The Invisible Man? I did not. I, I did. I was interested. I, I love Elizabeth Moss. I have a thing against Blumhouse movies that I I don't know. What? Why? Blumhouse movies just don't really do it for me a lot of the time. I just feel like they have a real like sameness to them in style. They don't have a lot of directorial flair unless you're talking about maybe like a Jordan Peele or something. I don't know. I, I like Lee Winnell generally in the past. I would argue um, that Upgrade has a lot of directorial flair and I haven't seen The Invisible Man. Okay. I haven't seen Upgrade, but I know a lot of people love that. So I, I would be interested in checking it out. And Invisible Man, I was more interested in and then it just kind of slipped by and then all the theaters closed down. So I kind of just like missed out on it. Yeah, I was going to go see it in theaters and then they all closed down and I just missed out on it. I mean, you could always just pop in Alex Ross Perry's Queen of Earth if you want that intense. Well, that's the thing. I love I love Elizabeth Moss and what like her career has turned out to be. I mean, I loved her on Mad Men. I was a big fan of that show. And I think she's just been... And you love her religious beliefs. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's a blot. You know, I'm willing to look past that for now. As long as she doesn't talk about it, you know, as long as she doesn't talk about it, I'm fine with it. But, you know... I would probably check this out at some point. So did you see this or not? No, yet? I didn't see it. Like you said, it was the same thing I was going to see in theaters and then like everything hit. So I didn't get to make it. And then when it came out, I was like, ah, it feels like it's passed already. For sure. I mean, I do hear it's a pretty good examination of domestic abuse within a horror, horror film, which I think is pretty fascinating. I would like to see how he plays that. And I think he did get a what lot of... What are you of talking about? I already have A Hundred Feet by Eric Red, which has a very similar plot. Have you ever seen that one? I have it. I've heard about it. <laughs> Where uh, Famke Jensen uh, is on home alert. What is it called um, when you're stuck at home and you have like the bracelet on? House arrest? House arrest, yes. I don't know why. I suddenly had a brain <laughs> fart and couldn't remember it. That's all right. And, but there's also the boyfriend she murdered or husband Ooh. that's a ghost and is abusing her. So <laughs> how will she get out of this one? No one will believe her. <laughs> There's one really famous scene where she has sex with a guy and the guy's like, oh, whoa, that was a great bout of sex. All right, I'm going to get, oh, <laughs> he just gets crushed. <laughs> wow. Yeah, double bill at 100 feet, invisible man. Okay. This also begs the question, I guess, are you a fan of Paul Verhoeven's Hollow Man? <laughs> I am a fan of Paul Verhoeven's Hollow Man. Me too, me too. <laughs> and I think that, uh, like Starship Troopers, Paul Verhoeven is a lot smarter than the film indicates. Yeah, I, I can see why a lot of people got offended by Hollow Man when it came out. There are definitely a lot of borderline sequences. But, I mean, that's always been Paul Verhoeven and who he is. So I mean, Starship Troopers is the same thing through the prism of you know, war and propaganda and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you seen Hollow Man 2 with Christian Slater? I was just going to ask that. No, I have not. <laughs> I have not either. 
<laughs> I'm surprised I haven't, honestly. Uh, we also have The Assistant coming out. Um, this is a Kitty Green film starring Julia Garner. And it's a Harvey Weinstein-like figure and that you never see in the movie and yeah. his assistant throughout. And what is one of her days like? Uh, I just watched this film recently uh, and I really liked it. Obviously, it's a very um, transparent Weinstein-esque parable like it clearly takes place at like a miramax type company it's and clearly the guy the boss is a weinstein even though you don't see him on camera although he is voiced over the phone by jo sanders who is an actor i really like from the 90s i don't know if anybody remembers him he was kind what? of was jeff garland busy <laughs> i know i know right and he's terrifying he also he's used to play like lovable comedy guys and he's like terrifying in this um julia garner is excellent though and it is a very like uh, stark day in the life of this of this woman and it goes through all the mundane things that she does and it also goes through apart from all like the obvious sexual abuse and sexual transgressions that are going on under her nose and how she's effectively kind of punished for trying to expose it um, it goes through a lot of just the daily microaggressions that she faces from her co-workers who are mostly male it's obviously a mostly male dominated workplace but also the more senior female employees she works with and it's just like, it's a horrifying, I mean, I would never be able to last a day in an office job like that. Um, and it's, it's just a horrifying uh, tale, but it's done very, very well, very subtly. And I'm really excited to see what Kitty Green does in the future. But it also does shine a really good light on the fact that even if, because she works with two other male assistants that are kind of on the same level as her, but they don't get put upon with all these things that she does. And it's mainly because she is a woman and she basically is, she basically on top of doing everything and taking care of so much more in the office she has to like wash the dishes and shit like that Ugh, it's like terrible. One, or like when you know the wife comes in, or it's like an obnoxious actress comes in with her kids like she has to deal with the kids you know it's like one of those kind of things and it really <laughs> one of those kind of things you mean real life real life well that's the thing it should be obvious to everybody now like this shouldn't really be surprising to anybody but it's just done really delicately and really subtly so, so. we also have the deuce the complete series silicon valley the complete series <laughs> and fear of the walking dead season five there's five seasons of fear of yeah. the walking dead i have never seen an episode of the walking dead but i can't I can't believe there's eight seasons of The Walking Dead and five seasons of this now. If you're a fan of it, you're going to buy it. It's not winning over any new fans now. Like everybody I know who watches it to this day, they're just like out of obligation. Like they don't even enjoy it. They're like, ugh, zombies, I guess. Yeah, it's fully really boring and tedious. And yeah, it's never been fun. Yeah, my partner, I remember, watched the first season. She was trying to get into it. And she just got completely bored by like halfway through and just stopped. Me too. I think I watched the first like four episodes or whatever of the first season. Because the first yeah. season was only six episodes. And that was it. And then I would read like the insane showrunner oh, turnover, yeah. which was like two <laughs> per season or something like that. And The Deuce, um, which is David Simon's show about the porn industry and the kind of nascent beginning of it on 42nd Street. I watched the pilot. This seems like right up my alley. But these like slow yeah. shows by people like David Simon, even though the twin James Francos couldn't get me into it. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah, I haven't seen either. I've been intrigued in both. The, the Deuce looked intriguing to me. 
but you're right. Like with long shows like that, I just like, oh, I got to watch three seasons of this now. Great. I mean, I've even watched Deadwood and that's right up my alley. But like I look, I'm like, oh, 24 hours. Right. So much show. I feel like with Silicon Valley, too, I've heard that it was like really fire at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I really like Mike Judge. So I kind of wanted to give it a shot. But then like the fact that it's gone on for this many seasons, people are like, why is it even this many seasons at this point? Well, listen, Mark, uh, I've been talking to your uh, boss and he said that you have to watch one season of television per week. What are you starting with? Mm, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That you've never that seen. Never also, seen. no reality no! television and or documentaries. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to say I'm going to start with Kidding, the Jim Carrey show that just... Uh, because you know what? When that came out, I was like, you know what? That's a show that I'm actually probably going to watch at some point. Still haven't watched it, but I think I will. <laughs> It's out there. I took it home when I was home for quarantine for a little bit and just never got around to it. What did you do during your days during quarantine? Uh, I did a lot of, I took out a lot of film review stuff, did a lot of outside writing, tried to, you know, get my creative sparks going and then just watched a lot of crappy movies. So, <laughs> Oh, so you watched Downhill? <laughs> <laughs> no, I refuse to watch Downhill. I'm going to put that out there Which is being released right this week. It's a remake of Force Majeure directed by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. Yes, the Dean from Community. Why does this movie exist? I know. I love Force Majeure. That was, I think that was my favorite movie actually that year. I just thought it was so perfect. I love a good dark comedy and it was just so perfectly black. Mm. And I just don't understand why there's an American remake. I feel like it's, I, I haven't seen it, but from the little I've read about it, I hear that it's watered down just as you'd expect like a Will Ferrell, Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie to be. It's like, what's the point? I don't get it. It's just another movie for people that don't want to read subtitles. What's the point of remakes, period? Can exactly. you imagine like, being on the set and like remaking a movie like that? And you're yeah. not doing like a radically different perspective? Work must suck. Like, it must be going to a nine to five. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, yeah, did Nat Faxon and Jim Rash like have a lot of artistic passion behind this movie like I, I don't know they've got multiple houses they got to pay off you got to do it somehow yeah i can see the appeal for actors because it you know it gives i mean obviously the original gives a lot of room for the actors to shine and i'm sure that will ferrell and julie louis dreyfus are both good in it I'm, I'm not doubting their acting abilities i just feel like it's been done already and much better well you know what it's not a remake uh arkansas being released by Lionsgate. It yeah. looks like a noir, stars Liam Hemsworth, and most notable, is directed by everyone's favorite funny man, Clark Duke. Yeah, when did he become a director? I mean, when, when he was finally able to grow a beard. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can have a director's chair. Yeah. Wait, what is Clark Duke famous for? Oh, I guess Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub he's Time the, Machine. He's a teenager in that, yeah. Well, didn't he always he do those, like, web shorts or something with Michael Sarah at first? Like, wasn't that his thing? Yes, or? I think he... What was did he do with michael oh was he in like youth and revolt or one of those movies Maybe. nobody remembers yeah i'm looking up now i think he was in one of those kind yeah he had a tv show that i think was an internet thing called clark and michael with him okay and then he kind of just got hot tub time machine after that and you know the rest is history i guess <laughs> the rest is arkansas <laughs> the, rest, the rest is arkansas i mean this is the kind of movie I look at it. I'm like, this looks like a like an S. Craig Zoller type joint or something, mm -hmm. like with the presence of Vince Vaughn and like the Southern Noir kind of thing. I'm I sure it's Duke not stars very in good. It too. I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure it's. I mean, it seems like it has middling reviews. So yeah, it has I middling reviews. Wait, where's Michael Sarah these days? 
I don't know. You know, I liked for a while when he was doing those like indie type movies. He was doing those uh, Sebastian Silva films like Crystal yeah, Fairy and Magic, right. Magic Magic, Magic. Which, I, which I liked. Um, past that, I, I don't really know. Where is he? <laughs> is he dead? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Jesse Eisenberg ate him yeah. and like, gained his powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as Miles Teller looks on. Uh, anyway, what's the other guy again? It's... Uh, what's his name? He was in Joe. Oh, Ty Sheridan. <laughs> Ty Sheridan, yeah. I think Ty Sheridan's doing the best out of all four. Well, no, I guess <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg so? is. We mentioned probably... a movie he was in last week and we just yeah, breezed right by it. That's true. I guess Jesse Eisenberg's probably doing the best. Yeah, I think Jesse uh, Eisenberg's probably... And even he's appearing in VOD stuff. I know. Well, we talked about, what, Vivarium last Vivarium, week? Vivarium, yeah. <laughs> So, Adama is coming out, released by Distrib. Distrib Films, yeah. <laughs> this is an animated uh, film from 2015. Yeah, it, uh, it looks cool. I can't say I've seen it. It's a French production. Yeah. Uh, about a young boy who runs away to join the army in World War II. A young African boy who uh, kind of stows on a ship to join the army. Uh, I heard good things about it, but it took forever to come to home video or yeah, any sort happened? of release. I wonder. I don't know. It played festivals like five years ago and then just kind of disappeared like a lot of these kind of films do. Um, I'm intrigued to check it out. I mean, I'm sure it's not, you know, the most happy-go-lucky animated film, but that's I like the animation style. It looks really cool. Uh, we also have a long-form documentary, Women Make Film. A new road movie through cinema. I was like, oh, man, this sounds great. And then I looked at who made him like Mark Cousins. Are you not a fan of Mark Cousins? Have you ever watched uh, Mark Cousins documentaries? I, I have not. I've, I've been meaning to like tackle the story of film at some point, but it's just so long. And I just, yeah. I have it in book it. form. Much better. Oh, is it's it? Okay. Not, yeah, it's not 10 hours long. And you don't have to listen to him whisper through the entire film. <laughs> I heard about film. that, yeah. I don't know, man. When I see, like, documentaries about, like, women and stuff like that, and it's, like, some dude directing it, I'm always I like, mm, I don't know yeah. how I feel about that. No, I hear you. I feel like he definitely has, like, a following, Mark Cousins, at this point. And I know, I think Tilda Swinton is kind of the guide through the, the on-screen Oh, she's the one that narrates? Yeah, she's the on-screen guide. I think she's on-screen. Like, she's driving around. She's <laughs> hey, actually... it's me, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, Let's it's take like a, a ride. <laughs> it's like a literal road movie. On that note, too, since we're talking about Tilda Swinton, a customer the other day emailed us about renting I Am Love with Tulsa Swinton. <laughs> Which yeah. I've never heard it's before. It's the asylum version of I know, right? Uh, like, I am I, love. Somebody needs to, you know, call themselves Tulsa Swinton and uh, get out there. They can appear in IB Love. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure if nothing else, Women Make Film is a really good primer for female filmmaking. It is 14 hours long, so it's another really expansive one. Um, but yeah, Cohen's done a really nice job with this re release. And we also have a documentary, Hymat is a Space in Time. Have you seen this one? This sounds like I, right up your alley. Uh, yeah, I have seen this one. Of course you have. <laughs> I, I watched this because I reviewed it for TIFF last year, where it played here. It is a three-hour-plus German documentary about, mm. yeah, basically this gentleman, the director Thomas Heiss, uh, chronicles pretty much like the history of Germany in the 20th century uh, from a personal angle as well. It is really dry, really slow. Um, I really respect it a lot. It's one of those movies where, I mean, he went at some point, there's a sequence where he's mentioning the Holocaust and the screen is basically just a pan down over names and names that were on basically the like uh, Jewish people in Germany who are on the list to be shipped off to concentration camps. And it's just like, you're watching this for like 10 minutes go by and it's like, wow, you, you know, it's, 
you can say it's boring, but it's really a like it really hits you harder than you would think something like that. Right. Just seeing these endless names. Um, it's yeah, it's an excellently made film. It's definitely something you got to be in the mood for, though. Um, so if you want an intent, but then it goes on to more modern history and he chronicles his family in more recent times. So it's not all like bleak World War Two Holocaust stuff. It is really a chronicle of German history in the 20th century, and it really lives up to kind of what so its title is. So we also have more documentaries, The Venerable, a view of the religious tensions between Muslims and Buddhists through the portrait of the Burmese monk Ashin Wuwasu, leader of an anti-Muslim movement in Myanmar. Well, that sounds good. Directed by Barbara Schroeder, the man who made Barfly. Yeah. He's back, baby! <laughs> I know. I love Barbara Schroeder, uh, but I haven't seen many of you his docu- You love Barbara Schroeder. I love Barbara Schroeder. Car- Barbara Schroeder uh, made some great 90s domestic thriller and just trashy thrillers. I mean, <laughs> he made uh, Desperate Measures, right, is a big one with uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, Never Andy Garcia. No. Oh, man. You guys, if, any, if you guys haven't seen Desperate Measures, please throw that on. It's basically a story where D- Michael Keaton plays a, like, a murderer. He's like a convict. He's slated for death row. Andy Garcia is the cop who, like, brought him down. And his young son is dying of cancer and needs a bone marrow transplant. <laughs> and the only person who has the correct match is Michael Keaton character so they bring oh. michael keaton into the hospital to do the procedure and of course michael keaton Mike escapes, keaton escapes. <laughs> and it's great i uh, love that film it's really really it's actually legitimately entertaining too it's not even like a bad movie uh, but so he also he did... bring that magic of desperate hours to uh this documentary about uh muslim and buddhist conflicts he's been doing documentaries since the 70s i believe um so he's been doing that a lot and he's done more recent ones where he and he's done a lot of documentaries where he talks to like war criminals and stuff like this i don't know i mean this one's played at festivals like Cannes and everything so i'm sure it's well acclaimed but i mean for my i like the you know barbara schroeder who did like desperate measures or like single white female stuff like that um I don't know. I, I'm interested to check out his docs, but I can't say I have a ton of experience with them. You're not going to do it. You'll reach no. for desperate uh, measures I'm before you ever reach, reach for this documentary. Yeah, always going to reach for desperate measures. Actually, I, you're a Matt Farley fan, I believe. In the uh, in his in Matt Farley's film, The Paper Boy, in the in one of the dorm rooms, there is a desperate measures poster so up on the wall. I asked him about those posters, <laughs> yeah. and they were just <laughs> random rooms that they were filming in. So they'd knock on someone's door, and it'd be like a friend of a friend, and be like, "Can right. we film in this room?" Well, and I they'd be he... like, "Sure." And then right. that's what would be on the walls. Okay. Well, I guess he made that film in like the late '90s, and Desperate Measures came out in like '98. So I think it was just like a big movie that was out at the time. <laughs> so we also have another documentary. Uh, we have quite a few. East Lake Meadows, a public housing store. PBS. It's yeah. right there on the can. Directed by Sarah Burns, Ken Burns' daughter. Did you see that amazing interview she gave where she's like, I picked myself up from my bootstraps and bruised. <laughs> like, no. All right, I, slow down. <laughs> yeah, hold on a second. Uh, I did not see that. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, this looks like a pretty important doc, though. Uh, you know, it's your typical Ken Burns family PBS kind of excursion. Um but, you know, I think Sarah Burns co-directed the Central Park Five, I believe, with Ken Burns. And that was a really effective, powerful doc. And I think this takes some of the same kind of uh, – uh, takes the same sort of path as something like that. Did you see that, like, Jason Reitman did a podcast where he's like, I was flipping burgers one day and then the next I had to figure out how to direct a movie. It's like, come on, Jason oh, Reitman. What a douchebag that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was flipping burgers because my dad yeah. wanted me to, like, rub shoulders with the common yeah. people. Where was he flipping burgers? Excuse me. Uh, we also have Invisible Essence, The Little Prince, a documentary about the classic French novella, The Little Prince. 
I think this is the second Little Prince documentary that we've got in them. <laughs> How many of those there need I to know. be? People love The Little Prince. Uh, this one is a Canadian one, though. It's from uh, director Charles Officer, who was uh, pretty well known in the Toronto film community. He made a film called Nurse Fighter Boy about a decade ago that was right. really well acclaimed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is him. Uh, I guess it's a new take on what The Little Prince means to um, uh, other communities other than just like rich white people, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Well, speaking of rich white people, once we're brothers, Robbie Robertson and the band. Yeah, exactly. Another documentary about <laughs> oh, the God. band. Did we get one like a few months ago? Yeah, wasn't this? This was the big Tiff Gala premiere, right? Right, this one? it yeah. was. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. think Martin Scorsese is act. This is a Canadian film, but Martin Scorsese yes. is a producer on it. I think Ron right. Howard he was is there too. at the screening. Have you seen Martin Scorsese's doing like short films in his apartment I, on like yeah. his iPhone? I've heard he's doing quarantine cinema now, yeah. Uh, the problem is, it's like his other documentaries, long movie clips yeah. from other movies. It's like, come on, Marty. Just, yeah, I know. We don't need to watch a five-minute movie clip. Yeah, I'm done, Marty. <laughs> so we also have Swift, a.k.a. Manu the Swift, which... <laughs> This has to be like a French CGI film, right? About because it's about birds. I almost picked this one for us to watch because <laughs> you keep threatening. I know watching I, animated I'm like, oh, films. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I um, look at the cast of this, and it's like, why? I like, know. What kid is going to be excited that William Defoe was doing a voice? Right. I mean, this is like a French production, I think, initially. And they've just dubbed it in English with William Defoe and Kate Winslet, I think. Um... I don't know, man. I mean, they've been doing this more. Shout, uh, shout in G Kids, or no? I think it's just shout by itself. Actually, has been doing this more with uh, all these European films. They're bringing them over and like getting some stars to, to. I don't know. I think this maybe got a theatrical le- release in Britain, but not here. You know, know what's weird is that like I was watching a YouTube video about it, but like celebrity voices only became a thing in animated films like in the late nineties, basically yeah. with Robin Williams. Right, of course. That, it, it, you know, there wasn't celebrities in movies. I mean, unless you count Chris Sarandon in, like, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I guess it turned up, really, with the Studio Ghibli um, English dubs, right? Like, that's I think that's where it really started to make, like, a mainstream impression over here. Because I know a lot of people that prefer, like, the dubs of Studio Ghibli films. Um, and I think they're trying to get that magic, like, all right, well, we got this you know, European animated film. Let's just throw a couple stars in it. And I mean, it must take them like a day, right? To record all their lines. Right. And that's the thing. And I guess they can pass it off that way. Like it's a North American production or something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, they completely changed the title or remove some words for it to just yeah. fool people. Well, I mean, if you look it up on IMDb, it's actually initially called birds of a feather. I guess maybe that's the initial <laughs> French translation. And then it's been translated then to Manu the Swift. And now in North America, it's just called Swift. So probably wants to, to uh, jump off that uh, turbo bandwagon or jump onto the turbo yeah, bandwagon. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> uh, so we also have Holiday. Uh, this is an indicator powerhouse release of a 2018 film. It's a love triangle featuring the trophy girlfriend of a petty drug lord caught in a web of luxury and violence in a modern-day gangster tale set in a beautiful port city of Bodrum on the Turkish Riviera. I recognize this poster. Didn't see the movie. Yeah, I heard this was really good. This actually did come out on DVD, like just a standard DVD, a couple years ago, which we had. But Indicator starting this new line of – usually they do classic films, but they're doing – they're starting to get into some newer foreign stuff now. 
Um, so they've done a really, really nice release with this, like loaded with features and everything um, for a film that never really got a lot of attention over here. But I do hear a lot about it in cult circles. People really seem to like the look and the vibe of this movie. So we also have a new horror film, Slasher, from Shout, Knives and Skin. In the wake of a high school student's mysterious disappearance, a collective awakening seems to overcome the town's teenage girls, gathering in force until it can no longer be contained. Is this a slasher, though? I thought this, like, I read it. Maybe the... not. I think this is kind of a, um, what was it, Assassination Nation uh, kind of thing. I meant to check this out this week because it looked kind of intriguing. They The back cover kind of describes it as this, like, strange, surreal, modern noir sort of thing. Mm. I don't know. It seems like it's super weird. I've heard it get pretty middling reviews, though. I feel like these kind of movies go either way. So Yeah. So we also have Pretty Hard Die Young. Now, this is a slasher from Germany. A fun vacation quickly turns into a nightmare for a group of friends visiting Croatia. Okay. Yeah. I heard <laughs> yeah. middling things. It's another Shudder title. And, you know, I will say for anybody wanting to buy it, it comes with a slip cover that is glow in the dark. Oh, I like that. Not enough yeah. uh, companies do that. <laughs> yeah, no special features, right? Because Shudder doesn't do that. No. And they didn't even put it on Blu-ray either. It's a DVD huh. only release. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I talked about Shutter releases before. Is that like when you get that Shutter original? Most of the yeah. time, it's like a movie played a couple film festivals, didn't really make too many waves. Yeah. They could pick it up, and then here it is. Yeah. Uh, we also have Prey uh, from 2019. A bloodthirsty jungle creature terrorizes a young man and mysterious woman on a seeming idyllic island. I mean, you've seen this run, right? It's from your favorite director, the man who made P2. No, this is actually a different film, Justin. What? What? Yeah. So there are two films from 2019 called Prey. There are we, a million movies called Prey. People we need actually, to stop calling their movies Prey. Yeah, I know. The Patrick Lussier one actually came, we did get in back in December. And I think we talked about it at that point. Um, this one is a Spanish film uh, that goes under the title Cord, uh, C-O-R-D-E-S in Spain, which actually translates to ropes. So I don't know why they just called it Prey again in North America. <laughs> Maybe they didn't want to call it rope because people I mean, get confused. It's exactly. like a classic Hitchcock picture. Yeah, right. Um, so apparently this is kind of like a Cujo-esque thing about a rabid dog and a paralyzed girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No joke. <laughs> uh, I yeah, know. I don't know. I'll trade my lion. There's also a film called Prey. It was Killer Lions. Was there? Wait, wasn't the film? Yeah, it was Prey. It was a guy who did um Yeah, un Uncaged Moss. they called it here. Yeah. Yeah, There's but it was so called many... Prey. It was it called Prey. Was yeah. Prey. <laughs> there's too many films called Prey, honestly. You know, there's too many films called Holiday as well. Come there on. Is, yeah. People need to get more creative with their titles here. Um, we also have, speaking of creative titles, yeah. Dreamcatcher, but hey, 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 there's a K <laughs> in it. <laughs> um, I'm, well, I'm sure you're a fan of the Stephen King adaptation, Dreamcatcher. Oh, because yeah, we just I, did it on No Such Thing as a Bad Movie a few weeks ago. I remember seeing that Dreamcatcher in theaters when it came out and being very perplexed, but also strangely... Aroused? You know, and aroused by it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just going to cut out me saying aroused. So it just sounds like you and say like, it. Yeah, cut it with me. Yeah. Um, this movie, Dreamcatcher, is like a, your standard VOD horror movie. It's got uh, Henry Thomas from, you know, young, you know, Elliot from E.T. Well, Henry Thomas, he was doing so well playing people like Jack Nicholson in Dr. Yeah, Sleep. Yeah, I know. And, you know, Haunting of Hill House and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's why they got him for this. Uh, I can't remember the female lead. It's somebody that is in a lot of these type of movies. Uh, Rada Mitchell. Good old Rada Mitchell. Oh, um, Rada Mitchell. Yes, that's right. Who I really like, but she gets stuck with a lot of these bad movies. I don't know. It's your typical, like, 
bad, like, haunting possession VOD movie. I'm shocked you didn't watch it. <laughs> I know. We kind of got it in late, so I didn't have time. I didn't have time, okay? Uh, also, Anna is being released by, ooh, not good Luc Besson. This Bassan. is actually not the Luc Besson film. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off. You're <laughs> As much as I want to talk about Luc Besson, this is an even better movie called Anna. See, this is Anna with one N, not two. <laughs> and this I didn't is... even look because there's an Anna that came out in 2020. <laughs> and the... <laughs> I know. This is a dramedy with our favorite man, Andy Garcia. <laughs> Ooh, I thought you were going to say David Arquette. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I don't know. He's like some aging guy who's like meets somebody on vacation in, I don't know, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are hyping it up you know so what? much. Why don't, why don't we just talk about the Luke Besson, Anna? Wait, we did Anna on this podcast, right? Oh, man. I think it came out last October or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But you know what? I haven't seen a new Luke Besson movie since The Family, which I absolutely loathed. And then I just never watched anything else. So we also have Record <laughs> the question mark at the yeah. end of this title. There's actually a question mark there. I don't um, know. Which is an Italian film about a man reminisces about the past when he moves back into the... <laughs> Recordy? <Yeah. laughs> I don't know oh, why. It's like a memento style, like, what's going on? Yeah, I don't know why there's a question mark at the end of this, though. <laughs> Do you think the guy, like, made a mistake? It's like Rat Finka Boo Boo. They just couldn't <laughs> afford to change it. Yeah, that's what I thought. When, when we first came up for order, I'm like, oh, this must just be an, a mistake on the supplier's part. And I, no, that's right on the poster there. Recordy. So the next movie, like, are you allowed to rent it to, like, the 60 plus? Because this is, like, pure <laughs> opium. It's T with the dames it's I know. Uh, judy dench eileen atkins joanne plowright and maggie smith get together to reminisce about their acting <laughs> careers all the fit they literally just sit around in a garden and and drink tea uh, i have to say this is a bit of a cheat because this already came out on dvd about a year ago too but this is the long-awaited Blu-ray release of this movie. <laughs> is it the extended which, edition? Which I'm sure, yeah, which I'm sure all of the, you know, 60-plus crowd are clamoring to I get down for. I am shocked you don't just have, like, four posters of just this. <laughs> I This was, like, the most popular movie of when it first it came was. out, though, you know? Uh, I know what yeah, your it's literally just like. the four of them sitting around. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Chit-chatting. Listen, it's Chit-chatting. Judy There's Dench, nothing else. Uh, Maggie Smith noirs westerns that's pretty much it that's your bread and butter right there that, that's all the things we make money on here everything else you throw in a big fire at the end of the day exactly yeah we also have ordinary love uh, a 2019 film starring liam neeson and leslie manville speaking of something for the old folks <laughs> well this is a sad story about a middle-aged couple and the wife gets breast cancer so i guess that was uh not very funny of me to say that <laughs> do you think liam neeson uh, cracks any skulls in this movie <laughs> yeah i don't think so i've heard this one compared to harry brown <laughs> um yeah so i heard this one's pretty good yeah it played a tiff last year i heard good things it is the like perfect tiff gala movie it is you know and it's definitely something for a certain crowd um i'm sure it's well acted both of those actors are pretty stellar we also have premature it's a 2019 film not to be confused with the one about the guy who when he ejaculates he restarts his day groundhog yes. day <laughs> definitely not that film i saw that at a film festival any good yeah it's fine like there's a reason you've never seen it or no one asked yeah like said oh you gotta watch this so this one's about uh, on a summer night in harlem during the last months at home before starting college a 17 year old poet anyana begins a summer romance with isaiah a music producer who has just moved to the city 
What does the premature part come into it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've heard really good things about this film, though. I do want to see it. Um, its original title, Barely Legal. <laughs> is it really? No. Its original title was Prey. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, we can't. There's already two. There's already three other movies called Prey this year. Oh, so you've heard good things? I've heard really good things. It's uh, I think it played at the TIFF Next Wave Film Fest earlier this year. And it's supposed to be a really nice, sensitive um, uh, youth romance film. Uh, it's from a director who made a movie a few years back called Gun Hill Road, which is really acclaimed. And um, yeah, again, it was one I was meaning to get to this week and just never found the time. But um, I hear this guy is a real talent to watch. Yeah, I checked his filmography. He's directed quite a few like shorts and stuff like that and he's just like waiting for his like breakout thing yeah and i think this one is actually expanded from a short he made about a decade ago so we also have our uh weekly hey it's for people that are a little bit older and love world war ii films <laughs> double bill because yep. it's the last full measure and foxtrot six. Oh, actually foxtrot six is not a world war ii film but the last full measure is and it's yeah airman william h Pittensburger Jr., what a name, is awarded the Medal of Honor for his service and actions on the battlefield. That was the summary. That's all the audience needs. Well, can you believe, Justin, I have seen this film. Why? How did you want to see this one? I, I had to review this when it came out. <laughs> Why did they give you the worst things? I know. Well, you know what? It's a trade-off. Sometimes I get really good things, but then sometimes I have to take a bullet and go for some of the bad stuff. This is one of those movies. It came out in early January in theaters. So, you know, it's a good sign. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a very the guy who Gen General Pitsenbarger, it is a true story where he really sacrificed himself to save a lot of lives and then was denied the Medal of Honor for a long time, basically based on a technicality. So this kind of follows a bunch of his troop mates, I guess, if you will, trying to bestow that on him as they're all in old age it's filled with you know people like peter fonda and uh samuel l jackson's in there peter fonda did peter fonda die a few years ago i know so this was a posthumously released film and he's really bad at it too unfortunately uh ed harris is in there you know it's those kind of people listen the american government all governments are garbage you don't need medals it's from one them. of those american patriotic kind of films usa you know? won't wear masks freedom yeah freedom. exactly i won't you know it's not as offensive as something like this usually is. And I think it's trying to be respectful to this real life guy. And at the press screening I saw, I guess they invited a lot of veterans, which is kind of weird because it is an American story, but I guess they invited Canadian veterans to this. And honestly, they all stood up and gave it a round of applause at the end. Wow. Us punks that have never been in the army, we can't speak of this. That's the thing. It's going to resonate with a certain generation and I can't hate on that. I mean, it's not... It's like a TV movie. It's not like terrible. It's just like the kind of bland TV movie thing you would expect. So we also have Foxtrot 6, an Indonesian kind of military action film that I hear is very middling. That's all I got for this. It says on the front cover in bold, it's like a Mario Kassar presents. Remember him? No, who's that? <laughs> he is the guy who used to uh, be the head of Carolco films, I think. Uh so he was like the producer on like Total Recall and I think like Is his Terminator name 2. Like something that's gonna put butts in seats? Like I think so. You know, he was associated with a lot of those late 80s action. Like I think even the Rambo sequels he was uh, involved in. He was basically like a big time producer in the late 80s, early 90s, and then his company kind of folded, I think, and then he never really was heard from again until now, I guess. Well, uh is it flying off the shelves? No. <laughs> uh, but finally, I'm glad you saved the best for laugh. I still believe from 2020, Star 
starring Riverdale's own Archie KJ Apple. I have one more after this that's going to be oh, even, it's gonna blow even my more mind. fire. Oh, yeah. But let's talk about I Still Believe. The true life story of Christian music star Jeremy Camp and his journey of love and loss that looks to prove there is always hope. It sounds like what people in this day and age really need. <laughs> Yeah, except for the Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this was kind of a big deal or like a, a scandal at the time because this was one of the movies that was released wide on that last weekend when theaters shut down. So alongside... Oh, did it hit number one? Yeah, so alongside <laughs> Bloodshot and like those. But I think this hit number one because it's a Christian-themed movie, obviously. Uh, but one that has like some Hollywood stars in it. The lead actor is the the guy who plays Archie in Riverdale. But this one did so well because I think they were holding, you know, with these movies, they hold like church screenings for it and everything. Would you turn down, Mark, the chance to star in a Christian film? Definitely not. No. No. Like if it was like God's Not Dead 3 or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Oh my like God. That. Those are so offensive. But like very entertaining, though, I have to say. You're like uh, Kevin Sorbo's like best friend or something like that. Like an unbeliever who finds the light at the end. You know what, Chris? movie i did watch recently that was that time traveling jesus one? oh yeah assassin you already know what i'm talking about. assassin yeah, yeah. 33 ad <sighs> yeah all the posers are watching yeah. it these days <laughs> i mean it's ter- it's terrible and really highly offensive and racist but um you know uh doesn't a navy seal shoot jesus in the face yeah uh, not quite <laughs> there's a lot of like there's, there's a lot of you know the typical anti-semitism anti-islam Ugh. behavior in it uh, but it is hilariously bad. Like one of the the worst, the most funny bad Christian movies I've seen in a long time. Well, I hear the time travel holds up though. I can't say I was bored through it, so I'll give you that. <laughs> wait, wait, what is the secret last movie that's not on this list, Mark? Oh, did it get cut off? Sorry, I guess it didn't get over to you. So the last movie I got on here is Tombstone Rashomon. Do you know this? What is that? <laughs> this is the new Alex Cox film. Oh, no. Yeah. Is this one that he made with his students? I don't know, actually. He's credited on it. I didn't read too much. and I didn't get a chance to watch it, but... It's exactly what you think it is from the title. It's Tombstone, but done in the style of Rashomon. Because I know the last film he made, Bill the Galactic Hero, the adaptation of the Harry Henderson novel, is one that he just did in conjunction with his students. Interesting. You know, that might be one of these. It actually has an initial release date of 2017, but hasn't hit video until now. I don't recognize like any of the actors in it. Yeah. Obviously, um, are it, you a big uh, late period Alex? You Cox know, I man? I can't say. I honestly haven't seen a lot of his later period stuff. I mean, it always looks really wild, but then I like really think about it. I'm like, this has got to be crap. Right? Yeah, like Repo Chick and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, right? right. Like it looks fun at first. I'm like, I gotta watch this, and then I hear it's just crap. So. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll have to check this one out. Oh God, yeah, it looks so bad. I it just know. looks like every DTV Western. That I you know, guys right? Get. That's the thing. When it first came up for order. I was going to like hard pass on it. And then I saw Alex Cox. I'm like, well, well you were going to hard pass on a Western. Yo, I've hard passed on so many of these DTV Westerns. You wouldn't believe, man. <laughs> we talked about so many of them. There's so many that come out. A lot have Val Kilmer in them and Eric Roberts, you know, the usual suspects, dude. If I brought in every Eric Roberts and Val Kilmer DTV movie, we would be broke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Um, wait, one, two things we didn't do. We didn't say if the blind buy, you would recommend it. We keep forgetting to do that. Uh, you, listen, if you're interested in this, you you pick it up. There's an extra disc, tons of special features. Yeah. Cohen treats it with respect. So I wouldn't be angry if I bought it, I don't think. That's the thing. It's one of those films that you're right. I think that... <laughs> I like how blind buy now is like, would you be angry if you bought it and watched it? It's not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of those films that you're right. If you like it, you, you know, if you are... 
it already has a fan base. It already has been released by Kino on Blu-ray about a decade ago. This is just like a better Blu-ray with more features and an extra film. Yeah, I would say if you like the film, this is a total good blind buy because you get another film that's never been released either before and a bunch of special features. So yeah, I would definitely highly recommend it. If you've never seen it, I would maybe go for like a rental first. <laughs> then they won't buy it, Mark. But it doesn't matter for you because you make the same amount of money. Yeah, I don't care. I don't see any of this money. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and finally, we have to pick a movie uh, every week that like this is the one that you would purchase this week. Right. We forgot to do that last week. Okay. Uh, I think I know which one yours is. It's definitely Days of Thunder I'm picking for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm not going to do that because I've talked too much about Days of Thunder. So in lieu of that, I'm going to go Flashdance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go with Escape from L.A. Because that is definitely yeah. the one that I would purchase you know this what? week. I was, I was leaving that open for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it uh, for this week. Base Street Video still open. Can still call. Yeah, we're still doing curbside for now. I mean, it is technically we could maybe open now, but... You know, the cases are kind of rising again, at least here. And I mean, I'm sure everybody knows about the Trinity Bellwood scandal in Toronto over the past weekend. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you guys opened up, you would look like Trinity Bellwood. <laughs> yeah. It would be the hot zone here if we opened up, honestly. Uh, yeah. You guys are right downtown, too. And like so many people That's, wander and in. And again, we're in a small, we're inside kind of a mall way. We've got a small store. The ventilation isn't the greatest at the best of times. I just feel like if there's any breeding ground for coronavirus right now, it could be here. So. Didn't, uh, uh, Doug Ford, our premier, who's not good, say that he's going to shut down if the numbers keep going up. Well, that's what he been. said, but then he's been kind of walking back on that. You know, like, he mm, is such okay. an absolute idiot. Like, oh, he's the worst. Everybody knows Rob all these Ford people who are like, you know, who hated him before and are like, oh, you know, well, give him a break. He's doing, like, a good job or whatever. He's not doing a good job. What are we talking about here? Uh, yeah, like, you know who's doing a good job? The premier uh, yeah, of New Zealand. Exactly. She's doing a good job. Let's Look. be like that. So, yeah, I don't know. He, he did say that initially but clearly the numbers have been going up and people have been going out and gatherings have been getting bigger and he's not saying anything or doing anything. So yeah, we're trying to play it safe here and I promise we will have more product next week because we got a, you know, an invoice for some cool new things next week. Okay, well, until next week, my name is Justin McClue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. And keep on renting. Woo! Woo! These movies and many more are available at your local video store.